Because I dropped your hand while dancing Left you out there standing Crestfallen on the land in champagne problems Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of PewterReport.com. want to thank everybody that is watching today's show who's going to join in. We have a fun episode prepared with a ton of clips and highlights from the Bucks defensive coaches and special teams coach Keith Armstrong as well. It's a fun time in the offseason when you get to speak to the Bucks brass, whether it's players or, uh, in this case, the coaches. A lot of great insight across the board, whether it was uh, inside linebackers coach Larry Foote, who obviously had a lot to say about inside linebacker Devin White. Um, Casey Rogers, the defensive line coach, said something that I was talking about yesterday that I'm glad came to fruition because I had a hunch about it. It was something I felt fairly strongly about and Casey Rogers all but um, confirmed my suspicions. So uh, some good video there. And we heard from the new outside linebackers coach, George Edwards, and got his opinion on Joe Tryon Shank, obviously the highly, highly conversational, a little controversial too, not anything that he did really just his play on the field. But obviously, Joe Tryon Shank, it gets the Bucks fans feeling some type of way. So let's get into the show. I'm your host, Matt Matera, hosting for uh, today's episode. Again, want to give a shout out to everybody in the comments. We're just going to have a fun time. You know, I'll answer any questions that you have going on. As Shaggy says, what's good, pewter people? Uh, feel free to super chat as well. If you do super chat, we will... Uh, make sure that your question comes up first before anybody else. So uh, shout out to the Peter people as we kind of wait and see for uh, everyone else to get in on the show this afternoon. We're doing a four o'clock show today. We'll have a four o'clock show tomorrow as well. A little bit of a schedule change up this week, some traveling, some moving and shaking uh, going on. So just a little Heads up for everybody. Today's show going on right now. Tomorrow's show will also be at 4 o'clock, so stay tuned for that one. Will be a fun episode as well. We're going to be comparing the Bucks draft class to the rest of the uh, NFC teams that um, made their picks as well. Uh, it's called NFC South Foe Drafts Underwhelmed. Yeah, do the Bucks have the best draft class out of the NFC South, we'll talk about that more tomorrow. Shout out Richie P who says, yo, Maddie, Matt, what's good, Richie P? Uh, you were awesome over the weekend during the Peter Report live draft show brought to you by Celsius. Uh, very fun time chatting with you. So appreciate the fact that you're joining us right now. So let's start things off as I try to get to the right graphic. I'm going to keep putting up today's graphic uh, of the show because Larry Foote, heavily involved. But we're going to start with special teams coach Keith Armstrong. He was first to the podium today. And uh, Coach Armstrong going to be dealing with some uh, new things going on, obviously. A new kicker competition to get into. Jake Camarda, the punter, going into year two. As G Vegas says, interesting to see if they bring in some more outside free agents before OTAs. We'll get into that uh, in a little bit. 
And then obviously the kick returner game. So Keith Armstrong overall was very happy with the the draft class that came about from your Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, in the 2023 NFL draft class. You got to remember some of these guys, especially the later picks like Jose Ramirez, if he's able to make the team, um, Servassier Dennis, who we've talked about a lot, they're going to be playing special teams if they make this team. I'm pretty confident that Dennis is going to make the team, but I'm just talking about some of the later guys. So Keith Armstrong had this to say, uh, just overall getting faster. If he found some guys that can cover kicks, he said, we sure did. We got younger. We got faster. I'm looking at the list and you have linebackers that are four, five and four, six talking about their 40 yard dash time. That's what you're looking for. We've got some good body types, the midsize guy, linebackers, running backs, safeties. So you have some guys in that mid range body type that can match up with a linebacker, can match up with a fast guy because they can run. Uh, he had a really funny thing to say at the end. He was talking about uh, Peter reports. JC Allen actually asked him about um, his relationship with new Buccaneers player, Ryan Neal, who spent a little bit of time with Keith Armstrong when they were back in, in Atlanta. And if you remember when Ryan Neal spoke to the media in his initial press conference in Tampa, he mentioned that he knew Keith Armstrong and he kind of joked that Keith is uh, is a crazy ass. That's, that's how he described it. So, Keith was asked about that, and he didn't specifically talk about Ryan Neal, but he had some really great insight about just overall being a special teams coach because you're coaching all these different position players where tight ends want to play tight end, cornerbacks want to play cornerback. So there's so many different ways to coach each position to help you out as far as special teams go. So um, he had a very interesting response. I'm going to read it out for you guys because – I think it's important for everyone to hear it. He says, I get these guys as young guys. They're all young guys. I'll give you an example. Everybody in that running back room wants to play running back. Everybody in that tight end room wants to play tight end. Everybody in the wide receiver room wants to go catch passes. All the DBs want to play defensive back. All the linebackers want to play to you. So you're really telling me how to coach you. What I usually do is I'll adjust. Um, so if I say something to you and you react and you do it, fine, then I can talk to you. If I say something to you and you do your own thing, I'll say it to you again. What he's getting at is that I coach with a passion, I would guess. He's talking about Ryan Neal here. I know this. I've got 30 years experience in the league, and that gives me some good vision as to how to coach a guy and what he needs to know and how to teach him. Sometimes I can get a little emotional when I'm talking to you. The more I spark, the more I speak to you or to get you going, because you want to be that tailback, and I want to help you be that great tailback or that great receiver. But this is the path that you're going to have to take. You're not a first-round pick. That's what I deal with every day. You're not a first-round pick. You're a free agent or a seventh-round pick. So I look here. If you get a good at covering this kick, guess what's going to happen? The offense is now going to want to use you. So Zion McCollum, talking about the cornerback from last year, Kate Otten, tight end from last year, Cole Keeft, all three leading tacklers were all rookies last year. The more they play, guess what? The more the offense wants them, the more the defense wants them. That's the role that I get put in. Sometimes I get to coach guys that want to cover kicks, and then sometimes I have to help you cover the kick. That would be a good way of saying that. So, I don't know, in, in an interesting way, it kind of sounded like Keith Armstrong was defending himself for the way that he 
coaches other players. And let's remember, Keith Armstrong kind of came under a little bit of fire of, uh, you know, Bucks media, Bucks coaches, well, not Bucks coaches specifically, but among the Bucks coaches, because special teams wasn't great last year for the Bucks. Um, the overall coverage wasn't fantastic. They allowed some big plays. The return game wasn't necessarily up to snuff. So Keith Armstrong kind of defending himself a little bit there. Anakin's Hyper says, sup, Matt? What up, Anakin's? Glad that you are in the chat. Make sure you like and subscribe to this podcast. The last two things I'll talk about with Keith Armstrong, and then I'll keep it moving because we got a lot more coaches to discuss today, a lot more positions, and quite frankly, uh, a little more high-profile situations. So um, we talked about the kicking game a little bit. Uh, Chase McLaughlin and Jake Verity. Specifically with Chase, he said, I think Chase has done a nice job. 83% last year. He was 9 of 11 from 50-plus yards, which is pretty good. 81%. You take that every time with a long of 57 yards. He's very dialed in, a mature guy. He's obviously played in games and been in some tight situation. Game winners, that type of stuff. I'm really happy with him. Glad we got him. He's good to handle. Good height on his ball. Consistent. When you look at Jake Verity, you know that he's got the talent. Obviously, he was injured, but he's got the talent, and he's got the ability, and I think he'll have some good competition. So right now, that's where it stands at at kicker. It's Chase McLaughlin and Jake Verity. That's the kicker competition going into uh, OTAs and training camp. Would not be surprised at all if the Bucs bring in another kicker. They had a couple of uh, – I know they had an undrafted free agent that they invited. That's more of a um, kickoff specialist, so we'll see if – Jake Camarda ends up doing kickoffs again this year. And then the last thing, obviously, the return game. Devin Tompkins was the guy last year. Some other competition that he'll deal with this season. Trey Palmer, the sixth-round pick out of um, out of Nebraska. And this is what he had to say about Devin Tompkins and Trey Palmer. He said, you've got Devin Tompkins out there right now. We've also brought in a young guy, talking about Trey Palmer. But I think Devin will get better. I think after last year, that was probably the first time he's really caught punts and kickoffs in consecutive games. The arrow is pointing up with him. I'm very pleased with him. I think he'll do a much better job this year. And then talking about Trey Palmer, he's going to get a chance. A 4-3-1, 40-yard dash. And he's returned in college. He's actually done it. So it will be a good competition. So, yeah, it could be a two-man race. I'm sure they'll add in someone else. Um, both will get a lot of their reps during – the preseason games, the three preseason games they have this year. Christopher Oxentine says, hi, all. Richie P says, I didn't know Armstrong coach while Devin Hester was at the Bears. Neat insight to hear from our special teams coach. Uh, Richie, I'll address that in a, in a second. Uh, Grace Point said, Matt riding solo today. Hey, Matt, what up, Grace Point? Appreciate you joining the show. So, Richie, to get back to your con uh, comment, he did coach Devin Hester, but he coached Devin Hester – at the end of Hester's career when he was with the Atlanta Falcons. So this goes back to both Armstrong and Hester's time with the Falcons. He did have a cool quote about Devin Hester, though. Yeah, as Matthew Hamilton uh, showing that up as well. Cool quote, though, where he said, obviously Devin Hester is a baller, but it was the blockers that really made him, especially at the end of his career. He said, I had the opportunity to coach Devin Hester at the end of his career in Atlanta. When Devin was in Chicago, not taking anything away from Devin, he's a great player, but Devin had a damn good group blocking for him. You look at any good player, whether it's offense, defense, or special teams, you can spot the player, but then you start looking around and say, oh, dang, 
he was good. He was good. He can block. He can block. So if you got a great quarterback, there's usually two pretty good tackles in there too. Probably two pretty two pretty good receivers and a hell of a running back. Same thing ends up happening. If you got a good returner, you better put a bunch of people around him that can block. It doesn't change. It's still football. All we're doing is kicking the ball 40, 50 yards to get to the snap count. Curious what you guys think if um, Devin Hester has to be a Hall of Famer, right? Like he has to make the Hall of Fame. He's the best return man in the history of the NFL. Tom Bucks fan says the rules on special teams blocking makes runbacks more difficult. Yeah, and they put the incentive as well on just kicking touchbacks. So you're starting at the 25, you have pretty good field position. Now when you run it out, you might not even get it to the 20, and that's a huge setback right there. So slowly but surely, they're unfortunately taking the kickoff out of the game. But I really do think punt return is still a huge faction. I mean, flipping field position, getting a great return, um, there's still a huge aspect of that in today's NFL. So after Keith Armstrong, it was – run game coordinator and defensive line coach Casey Rogers and uh, awesome talking to the coach Rogers, very insightful with a lot of stuff that he had to say, um, spoke about Kalijah Cansey a lot, spoke about Logan Hall specifically, and really the way that the Bucks are going to line up this year. Um, he had some really good insight, specifically talking about Logan Hall, where Logan kind of moved around a little bit last year, this season, he can stay at that defensive end spot, have that role that uh, Will Golston had. And Kalijah Cansey specifically can go and line up on the opposite side of the nose tackle, right up against the center. Last year, there were so many moving parts. Guys were lining up in, in different areas. Now, Logan can focus on his spot. Kalijah Cansey can focus on his spot. And I think for younger guys in the game, um, that really goes a long way to helping their production and their growth in the NFL. He also spoke a lot about that Logan Hall is bulking up and what his expectations are for Logan Hall this season. And really my favorite part, and this is what I was talking about earlier. We got asked the other day when it comes to Logan Hall and Kalijah Cansey, how are they going to split those reps? What's the best way of, of going about it? Um, will one get more playing time than the other? And really what I was trying to say is that Logan shouldn't be limited with his reps because Kalijah Cansey's in here. One, they kind of play, they're along the defensive line, but they play different positions on the defensive line. Cansey lines up essentially over the center, shading the guard or on top of the guard. Logan Hall does the guard and in between the guard and tackle as well. And the biggest knock I had for Logan Hall, I thought there was potential, but he just didn't play enough. And that's not necessarily his fault. You had Vita Vea, you had Akeem Hicks in there, Will Golson was getting a lot of the playing time, Nacho as well. And I always felt, because Logan played well weeks you know, two and three in the regular season, week four as well, and then it really tapered off. But I think it was more of just not getting the reps for Logan Hall more than anything else. So I think this year, with Logan bulking up, as, as Al Bundy says, I hope Logan Hall is 300 pounds this year, or at least 290. Casey Rogers actually said that Logan is, I believe, 296. He has the video, so um, I'll, I'll play that in just a moment. But it's important not to give up on Logan Hall just yet. Still an adjustment period 
And now that he can be the number one guy, depending on what happens with Will Golston, he just needs more opportunities, and he's going to get that this season. So let's play the video of uh, – we got a couple of Casey Rogers. We'll start with Logan Hall and then talk about that a little bit, and then we'll get into the uh, Kalijah Cansey stuff as well. So Casey Rogers talking about the development of Logan Hall. Now, before in the past, we played like four and three left and right, this and that. Now with these different pieces we got, now Logan can be in one position all the time. You don't have to go all over. Then Cancer can be in one position all the time. Vita can be in that way. We've been playing musical chairs in a lot of ways. Elijah, is that enough? Can you go with the group you have right now? Would just mean other people stepping up for you? Well, with the group we got right now, this is the way we feel like we're proceeding, but we did left open opportunity to possibly bring more people if we needed to. Very similar measurables. If we look at if those group of guys were in there at that time, we would see Logan playing this role. Can't see playing and beat to play that role like this, but he is very skill set, very similar to what we'll bought for. And has he bulked up for you guys over the yeah, offseason? Yeah, I, I just know talked to him. He's like 296 right now. He's getting bigger and stronger. He's been here every day. So that's, uh, we like where he's going. Anything specifically that you want to see from him just to advance his, his progress? Well, just, just make the growth. Now, the beauty about him, I think, you know, talking to the strength coach and everything, been around, the, he's been here every day, so that's the thing. The growth just matured. He was a young player last year and really did, and he stepped in. And really, as I look at it, he did some good things, and probably a kudos to me for not putting him out there more. But with some of the people we had, had more experienced guys, this and that, and I just kept him out, you know, and really hindsight 2020 should have put him there more, but he'll make the jump, and I, we expect big things from Logan this year. As he said at the end, we expect big things from Logan this year. Uh, some people were asking about the weight of Logan Hall. You heard him say it in the video there, I believe 295. I'll uh, double check the quotes once again, talking about the measurables <clears throat> of Logan Hall. Let me see if I can find it. I have, have it pulled up here. Yeah, he said, I just talked to him. He's like 296 pounds right now. He's getting bigger and stronger. He's been here every day. We like where he's going. And then overall, the the growth for him, just getting more playing time. If there's anything specifically that he wants from Logan Hall. And you heard him say, hindsight's twenty twenty. I wish we could have played him more. Or I would have liked to play him from, uh, like to play him more snaps. So I think you'll get that from I think I, I think you'll get that from Logan Hall this year. I'm just trying to find that other quote. Somewhat of a transition period. Can't see too small. Yeah, just make the growth the beauty about him talking to the strength coaches. He's been here every day. That's the thing, the growth and maturity. He was a young player last year. He stepped in and did some good things, and it's on me for not putting him out there more. But some of the people we had more experience or this and that, and it just kept him out. Uh, really, hindsight is twenty twenty. I should have put him in more, but he'll make that jump, and we expect big things from him this year. So, yeah, it really all just came down to playing time for Logan Hall. Just wait for, um, Just wait for him to – to get more playing time, and that's kind of how it'll be. He then spoke about Kalijah Cansey as well, what he liked about him, where he could end up lining up, and uh, let's get that video from Casey Rogers. 
First of all, let me reiterate on that first part you're talking about. Usually the worst coach get the best picks. That's the best <laughs> game. Uh -oh. so, say it again, I'm sorry. Just, just can't see how he fits in, what you like about him, and where he fits into the, the top rotation you have. Well, you were talking about a guy that when we evaluated him was really, really explosive. And that's what we thought. You know, in the past couple years, we've been really big and powerful. Now we wanted to tweak and add some quickness and more explosiveness because a lot of the ways we set our front, we create a lot of valuable matchups for certain people to borrow. We play a lot of bare front, which is only so many ways to protect it. We put feet in certain places, so many ways to protect it. So we just really look into more explosiveness and quickness. You know what? We hadn't really talked about that way. And I haven't really seen him like that for as much. So I vision for him. I see him on the nose where we had a king count all over the place. So right now I just see Greg more in that nose role. Attention. Would it be Cansey in this in this situation? The way we usually play and everything, the guy who gets the most one-on-ones would be the role we see Cansey playing in. The exact way when we first got in here and we bought that suit, the same he fit fit in the same role. So it's the same kind of situation where we're gonna try to dictate which way the protection turns and create the one-on-ones for our edge guys here and our interior guy there. You heard him talk a lot about explosiveness with Kalijah Cansey. The team already being fast and tall, but just adding a little bit more quickness with Kalijah Cansey. He spoke a little bit about Yaya Diaby as well. He said we were looking at his measurables, 6'4 and some change, 260-something pounds, sub 4'5", 40-yard dash. We see a lot of different roles for him. Now you're going through the exercise of do we want to play left and right? Do we want to play Sam and Will? These are the different pieces we've got, which is kind of fun. Hey, sorry, which is kind of a fun exercise to go through because we feel like now we can create some matchups that could be favorable for us. Uh, one last thing with Casey Rogers. He got asked a question from Pewter Report's own Scott Reynolds. Um, it was about, you know, the Bucks lost some guys along the defensive line, especially those, you know, energizer bunny type of players nacho specifically and and vita vea without question is a is a leader on this team but vita is more the strong silent type obviously todd balls wants a lot out of him and jason light is the man that drafted him Vita's more the strong silent type not necessarily the vocal leader so who's going to be the guy that um kind of takes over that role and Roger said, that'll be interesting as we go through it to see who assumes that role. As we walked in, we saw Vita ascend to the captain level, and we'll see as it goes who takes the pride of, let's get us going. But a lot of time, your rah-rah guys are ultra-confident. If you're not confident in what you're doing, then you're not really saying a whole lot. As people grow, that'll separate itself. So that still remains to be seen who is going to be the leader, vocal leader on the defensive line. Obviously, Vita Vey is a leader. He's a team captain. Um, so that could um, that could figure itself out. Callie Bucks says, uh, did he call himself the worst coach? He was just poking fun at himself, alluding to the fact that defensive tackle Logan Hall was the Bucks' first pick last year, and then Kalijah Kansi was their first pick this year. Um, he's just having some fun. He's said, usually it's the bad coach that um, – you know, that goes on with Grace Point says, I feel Savassier and Ramirez could be steals as special teams players and rotational pieces on the edge. I don't know about Ramirez just yet, you know, a late six-round pick, but Savassier Dennis, I think, eventually is going to be a starter 
on uh, this team. Wise one ENT says Logan is young, only his second year. And Tom Box fan says run game kills the clock and facilitates the passing game as teams do not like being gashed all the way down the field. Yeah, the Bucks have to improve uh, their run stopping game. It's crazy. I have to even say that out loud because they were great at it for years, but that was an issue last season. And they obviously don't want that to continue this year. Could be an issue if Devin White doesn't return. We think he will. Obviously, the Bucs have no intentions of trading him. But we got to speak to Bucks inside linebackers, coach, and co-defensive coordinator Larry Foote. Larry's obviously pretty close with Devin. He's been talking to him throughout this whole process. And we got his opinion and just his overall comments on the whole situation with Devin White and Larry Foot answered it in just a very Larry Foot type of way. So without further ado, let's just get to what he had to say about the whole situation. Well, he's not going to be the first and he's not going to be the last. We know that. Uh, like I told him, he's getting paid 11 million this year. Those are champagne problems. And uh, I get it on both sides. And uh, I just, he didn't play a lot of ball. Do we need to be here in the spring? We would love him to be here, but, uh, it's not going to hurt him from the standpoint uh, of playing. But, you know, I want him here, and I'm quite sure that's going to get worked out. But I understand both sides. It's part of the business that uh, nobody likes, but it is what it is. Uh, we haven't – I haven't really talked to him about that. We're just talking more about, you know, getting in shape, stuff we need to work on, and uh, off-season tape and breakdown. And stuff, um, you know, I'm, what we're looking for him uh, to do. But we haven't talked about when you're going to show up right now. You know, he's fighting for a contract and uh, champagne problem. <laughs> <laughs> sending him clips, uh, installs, things like that via video that maybe if he doesn't want to be here at the complex, he can do on his own on his on his tablet. Yeah, absolutely. If he if that's the decision he uh, he makes, I will be doing all I can do to make sure he stays, uh, you know, in tune in what we're doing. You think it's just that, or is it bigger than that? It's, it's money. Yeah. It's money. It's uh, you're looking now to guarantee money, and yeah. you know he wants his money now, yeah. and but he got to understand, you know, organization they're preparing for next year. Yeah. You know, so we got to meet somewhere in the middle, however it's going to play out. But picked up his fifth-year option, you know. Uh, seen across yesterday, a lot of players, they don't get that option. Yeah. So, uh, but it's money. Yeah. And I understand that. Uh, like I said, he, he he's not the first and he's not going to be the last. And then that's part of the game. Everything, just get better. Uh, Pre-snap stuff, uh, zone coverage, even uh, blitzing better, uh, attacking the run. Uh, in the offseason, you want to look at, you know, any plays, explosive plays that you gave up, and we want to minimize that. And just little things, new ideas that we're putting in, I'm getting them up the scheme, some of the new stuff that we're uh, implementing. And every year, you got to be better than the next year. This league demands it. And uh, so far, you know, during his short career, he's he been involved. Love this comment from Chief Vegas. Devin doesn't want champagne. He wants Dom Perry on. Everything Larry Foote said is true, and he keeps it very real. He said he sees it on both sides. Obviously, the Bucs don't want to pay him all that money yet, 
Devin's getting paid $11 million. It's not like he's getting chump change this year. $11 million is a pretty good salary for a starting inside linebacker. Um, I thought it was really cool what Larry Foote had to say about he's going to help Devin regardless of if he's in the building or not. He's going to send him clips if Devin is away. I like that they're still in communication, and Larry kept it real. He said it's it's strictly about money. It's nothing more. It's nothing less. It's nothing about Devin doesn't like the Bucks personnel or going to the facility or anything like that. It's just a business. It's just the contract side of things, which still isn't fantastic. I know Bucks fans don't love hearing that, but at least it can be salvaged. You know, like Devin's going to have to come here sooner rather than later. He either gets the right contract or understands he's going to play for his next contract. And it can be salvaged that way. It's not like he's got a terrible relationship with Todd Bowles and Jason Light and he hates Levante David. So uh, you don't want to be in the situation at all, but you'd rather have it with it's just a money thing than just he's not getting along with anybody else. So I thought Larry Foote handled it uh, very well. At the end of the press conference, you could see it on our social media, uh, Larry Foote got asked about um, – Shaq Barrett and the loss of his two-year-old daughter. Unfortunately, we talked about it the other day, how horrible it was. And and Larry Foote's pretty close with, with Shaq Barrett to the point um, he was very emotional on the stand. It was tough for him to, to to come up with words, and he ended up saying it was it was the worst day of his life or one of the worst days of his life. So um, shows how much that he cares about Shaq and Shaq's family. Of course, our thoughts and prayers are still with um, – Araya, Aria Barrett, and, um, you know, Shaq and, and his wife as well. And uh, obviously a terrible situation. He was asked about Tavassier Dennis as well. Um, and what's going on, uh, what what he likes about Tavassier Dennis. Let me pull up those quotes right here. But, yeah, once again, thoughts and prayers to the Barrett family. Um, two years old, just absolutely um, devastating for sure. Uh, on Cervasi Dennis, Larry Foote says, uh, I was pleased. I was surprised we got him in the fifth round. Like every year, I was surprised. Uh, the other linebackers that were picked before him, but good for us. He's a smart guy. When you watch him on film, you can tell he plays above the neck. He's a good athlete. He's savvy. He plays the game like it should be played. He can blitz. He's got some ability. He can wear a lot of hats for us, and I was definitely excited about getting him. Then he was asked about uh, being able to drop back and and cover uh, at this level, and if he can do it. He said, yes, the times he did do it, he understood coverage and what's underneath. He did blitz a lot, uh, being the fourth rusher, but he's a smart guy. Just being around him on Zoom and seeing him at the Combine, uh, we were pleased. He had some other comments about Levante David as well, um, how his family is obsessed with Levante David. He said his daughter has three Levante David jerseys. Um, there's, I believe, six David jerseys in the whole house. So um, a lot of good stuff. But the champagne problems, as uh, Callie Bucks' prayers to the for the Barrett family, uh, the champagne problems, without question, was uh, was the quote of the entire, of the entire uh, press conference, for sure. So shout out to... Larry Foot on that. Next, we heard from safeties coach Nick Rapoe and a lot of discussion about Antoine Winfield Jr., Ryan Neal, the fact that there's just not a lot of safeties in the room at the moment. So we're going to talk about that 
in just a second. But first, let's hear a message from our great friends, Celsius Energy Drinks. Make Celsius Energy Drinks your number one pick. They have a variety of flavors. The Oasis Vibe is one of the new ones. Can't go wrong with the sparkling lemon lime, sparkling watermelon, the orange, the Arctic Vibe. So many awesome different flavors. Um, zero crash or you know jitters that you get from other products when you have this uh, energy drink because there's no sugar in it. So you're good to go there. If you want to Check out where to find one. Go to the store locator on the Celsius website. Punch in your address, and it'll give you an exact location, the closest location of where you can find it, your local Walmart, Target, convenience store, 7-Eleven, or your bodega, as everyone likes to get up in arms about. And then when you go to your bodega and you love all the Celsius flavors that you got, head on over to Amazon. Start buying it in bulk. Get that variety pack, because variety is the spice of life. And, uh... Have it sent to your house or apartment every week, month, quarterly, yearly. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius Energy Drinks, the official sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. So as I said moments ago, that Nick Rapone was next up at the podium for uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And it is an absolute joy speaking to Nick Rapone. He's very open. He's very thorough with a lot of the uh, responses that he has uh, going on when talking about his players. And, you know, there's a lot of change in the Buck safeties room this year. Uh, Logan Ryan no longer there for the time being. As Grace points as sparkling lemon and lime is the truth. Absolutely. Shane Lambert says the new lemon lime is so awesome, has temporarily taken the number one spot from orange. Yeah, they have so many flavors. It's truly, it's truly uh, wild how many flavors they have. They, they keep coming out with new ones. Uh, but the safety room is different. Logan Ryan not there for the time being. Keanu Neal signs with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mike Edwards goes to the Chiefs. So it's literally Antoine Winfield Jr., Ryan Neal, Nolan Turner, Josh Hayes is in the mix now. A couple of um, undrafted free agents like that we talked about on yesterday's show. Kayvon Merriweather out of Iowa. Chris Izian out of Rutgers. A couple guys lobbying to make this team. And so Rapone gets it started off talking about Ryan Neal. There were questions with Neal just a matter of Will he play in the box at safety? Could he play the slot? He moved all over the place with Seattle. What's his role going to be with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? And this was how Rapone answered it. Uh, 6'3", 200 and some pounds. He's put four years in out Seattle. What, what we liked, what I liked, he played 769 snaps last year. He was a nickel and a dime. Over in Germany, he played some safety. And uh, what stood out for me was 
for the amount of plays he had, he was pretty active. So we're going to put him in strong safety and, and see how he goes. I mean, he's been in the room for two weeks. We've been on the field. This is the third day. So there's not much more until we get moving along. But what's nice is he's a six two and a half, six three pound kid, and we're going to put him in strong safety. So there's your answer at strong safety. We knew Anton Winfield Jr. was going to be the free safety. There was a question of, is it for the Bucs to get more turnovers? Is it to keep Antoine Winfield Jr. healthy? I think overall, this is going to help the defense. And Rapone had a specific reasoning why Antoine Winfield Jr. is now moving from the slot, going back to his original free safety role. No, what it really is this. When you play nickel, you have to play man, you have to play zone, you have to work stacks in man, you have to work bunches in man. And that's why you see most guys in the NFL are corners because right. what we do in practice is all adjustments. Right. So it's hard to get Antoine all that man work that he needed. So Todd and him made the decision what's best moving forward. Let's move you back. Let's take you out of the nickel. Now, on base, he, he's still going to be up close to the line of scrimmage. He's our best blitzer by far. But that's really the reason is it, what that job description is. The you know, yeah, there wasn't enough time to do all the adjustments and then get him enough man work. So Todd and him, after the season, sat down, and that's what they came up with. There's only so many hours in the day and so much time that you can prepare each week. So it sounds like by what Rapone was saying, obviously with Winfield moving back to safety, that um, it's more than likely going to be a corner that's going to play that nickel role this season, unless it's someone such as uh, Josh Hayes that uh, just joined the team via the NFL draft. We will see, though. Um, I thought, again, it was a very thorough answer from Coach Rapone. The other issue with the secondary in general, and uh, Callie Buck says, Winfield needs to definitely return to his original position. I like that he kind of assured us all, you're still going to get the same Antoine Winfield Jr. blitzing at the line of scrimmage, balling out, playing free safety. Um, I, overall, I just I think, it's, I think it's better for everybody. You can find someone else to play the nickel corner and Antoine Winfield Jr. was impactful at nickel, but he didn't have an interception outside of the first game of the season. I think he can make more of an impact at free safety without losing as much at the uh, nickel position. So the, the other issue for the Bucs really in, in the entire secondary was the fact that they just couldn't get turnovers. They had uh, 17 interceptions last year, only 10 this year. And that was across the board with um, – not just corner, but safety as well. And it affected all of the defensive backs. So Rapone spoke a little bit about that. Um, also got into the fact that there's only three safeties on the team at the moment with Winfield, Neal, and Nolan Turner. So great opportunity for Rutgers, Chris Izian, and uh, Kayvon Merriweather out of Iowa. Maybe both make the team. Maybe one makes it, the other make, makes the practice squad. But um, Izian and Merriweather... Going to have a really good opportunity. Right now? Yeah. Well, we have three guys here. You know, Antoine, Ryan Neal, and Nolan Turner. Nolan Turner was a free agent from Clemson. 
Nolan played a whopping one play last year, okay? Against Carolina, he made a great play on a tight end screen. So we only have three here. So whoever is with us is going to have to step up. And then, as usual, you know, Jason and Spy do a great job. We got two kids coming in. When you're 66, you can say kids. You know, we got a kid from Rutgers and a kid from Iowa coming in. And they do a great job of bringing in free agents. So next weekend, we'll have both of them. But right now, we'll have five safeties on the roster. And it did go backwards. Ah, and it from, went backwards, didn't from, it? From 17 to 10. Yeah, uh, from 17 to 10. Don't ask me what happened. Okay. Because you started off the year on fire, though. Oh, we started five or six in the first four years. I mean, this will be year forty-four, and all I can tell you is, I don't want to give you a cliche, but I'm going to give it to you. I'm. They come in bunches. You know, it's the same kids that were playing the last three years. So why didn't we get them? I couldn't tell you. They come in bunches. You're right. We started off like gangbusters. And that still, you know, Antoine was in today, he was in Monday, and that's still what I emphasize with Antoine is let's get the football. He says, I know coach, I know coach, I know coach. So hopefully we will get back to where we were able to get the football. If you wanted to bet on the Bucks to get more turnovers than the year before, maybe you want to bet on which Bucks safety is going to make the team out of the undrafted free agents. The best place to go and do it would be at mybookie.ag. Use that promo code pewter and put up to $1,000 in your first deposit bonus. Even if you learn from Plants City, you know that that is a heck of a deal. A thousand free dollars with a bonus just using the promo code pewter. There's so many awesome sports to bet on right now. We're in the middle of the NHL playoffs. I know the Lightning got eliminated, but you can root for the Maple Leafs to lose. Um, the NBA playoffs is going on. The Knicks just tied it up against the Heat last night, a 1-1 series. Celtics 76ers is tonight. Lakers-Warriors was last night. That was a great game. Um, the Nuggets-Suns, bit of a blowout right now. Nuggets up to nothing, and Chris Paul being injured doesn't really help that. Um, you got a huge UFC fight coming up this weekend. Aljamain Sterling, the funk master from uh, Long Island, represent Long Island. Matt, the steamroller for Vola, also represent Long Island. They're fighting this weekend at the UFC pay-per-view. Bet on golf as well. Baseball's going on. So many great different sports to bet on. Put in a parlay as well. Win some more money. Use that promo code pewter at mybookie.ag and put your first deposit bonus all the way up to $1,000. Mybookie.ag. Start betting today. We got two other coaches to talk about. The first was Kevin Ross, who I believe one of the most interesting things that he said was talking about cornerback Zion McCollum going into his second year. Now, Zion definitely had some growing pains as a rookie. Remember, he was injured going into the season, had a hamstring injury that set him back a little bit, got thrown into the fire at times with other corners injured, and got beat. I don't want to say beat like a drum, but definitely looked a little overwhelmed. But he's going into year two, knowing the playbook, understanding a lot of more, still one of the fastest cornerbacks on this team. And then, of course, Jamel Dean returns. So you got the dynamic duo, Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean together once again. So 
the interceptions. When's it going to come through? Why weren't there as many interceptions last year? Uh, let's get into Kevin Ross talking about the lack of interceptions, kind of piggybacking off of what Nick Rapone had to say. Then I'll play the video about Zion McCollum, who he said, Zion McCollum, he expects to be the most improved player on the Bucks roster this year. That is uh, pretty high praise. We don't need more opportunities. We need to take advantage of the opportunities we had already. Uh, we dropped a lot of balls, like you said. We had we left a lot of plays on the field, and uh, that would be the emphasis this summer, the whole summer, is to make sure that we uh, capitalize when it's the opportunity to make plays. We we'll make those plays a little bit. I mean, a little bit. I mean, it's not like these guys are not conscious of it. We, we bring it up every day. Uh, we try to practice it before practice even starts, uh, catching balls and things like that from all kinds of positions. Uh, sometimes your eyes just get big, you know, you just get so excited, you just fumble the ball every now and then. And they'll, they'll, I think they'll both do better this year at that. And now your most improved player this season, according to Kevin Ross, it's going to be Zion McCollum. Well, we do have guys on the roster right now who have played it and practiced it. Uh, Zion McCollum, uh, Dee Delaney have they played in there. Uh, Chesley played in the last uh, Atlanta game in that, in that area. So we got guys that's in there. But, uh, you know, like any season, you're always looking to upgrade in your all positions. Standpoint, I mean, like, where does he stand from every aspect, the most? From every aspect of his game, the tackling, the coverage, the whole scenario. Uh, he was doing well until he got hurt. He got a little setback. Uh, and in that position right there, you need as many reps as you possibly can get, different looks and things like that. So it held him back a little bit. But, uh, He's a guy that, uh, he's very smart. Uh, he's a very intelligent football player. His football IQ is off the chart. Uh, I like his chances of really, really improving big time. Couple comments. Callie Buck says, if McCollum doesn't start tackling, I will lose my mind. He whiffed a lot last year. That might be the number one thing that he needs to work on, is uh, wrapping up, or at least staying staying on the uh, whoever's got the ball. I like rice fish. Sup, fellow Matt. Go Bucks. I didn't know that your name is Matt. That's awesome. What up? I like rice fish. Richie P says film study will make Zion faster. So we'll see. Yeah, just understanding the game more um, and understanding the speed too. Remember, he came from a, a smaller school. Clack Five White also says more pressure on the quarterback will help with INTs. I, I think that. It very much is a true statement. Of course, when Vita Vea leads the team in sacks, you need more production from your edge rushers, which is what everyone's hoping this year. And that's why they brought in George Edwards as well, who we will um, talk about in just a moment. Kevin Ross also just gave his comments on Josh Hayes, the six-round pick out of Kansas State, uh, what he thought about that draft pick. I watched a little tape on him. I saw uh, he's a physical guy. Uh, he can get off blocks real well, tackles really well in space, which is important. Uh, can blitz seem to have a, a high uh, football IQ so we, uh, we expect some good things out of him that's the expectation for Josh Hayes this year so we talked to all the coaches then we finally got to the newest coach on the defensive side of the ball outside linebackers coach George Edwards been coaching for a very very long time most recently he was with the Dallas Cowboys, where he helps with the development of this guy. You may have heard of him. His name is Micah Parsons, and he is pretty damn good. So, obviously, with, with Parsons, as he's entered the league, Joe Tryon-Shyanka going into his third year now. 
what type of player are the Bucs going to get with JTS? Is he going to continue to develop? Has he reached his ceiling? And just the overall edge rushers in general was a down year for the edge rushers. Obviously, Shaq Barrett got injured. Anthony Nelson played pretty well. Carl Nassib got injured again. And JTS, once again, four sacks on the season. Close, but no cigars. I don't think Vita Vea should be leading the team in sacks again this season. It has to be has to be an edge rusher. That's why Anthony Nelson just got paid the big bucks. That's why JTS was a number one or first round pick, I should say. Much more production is needed from the edge rushers. So uh, let's get to George Edwards talking about that position. It has to happen for, for that position to really take off and get after the quarterback. Well, I think the biggest goal every year is, is number one, schematically of what we're asking them to do and, you know, the number of opportunities we get to rush and just making the most of those opportunities. I know everybody likes to just count the sacks, but also quarterback hits, pressure on a quarterback, all of those things are ways to affect the quarterback also that can, you know, help us with the turnovers and those kind of things. So our emphasis and focus and concentrating are ways to make those things better you know, for the guys that we have and for the new guys coming in. Uh, like you said, we ended up uh, drafting two new players at the position, and they're both unique in their own way and excited about getting them in here. But it, you also have, I mean, some players that are here that have been effective in putting pressure on the quarterback. Although sack numbers last year doesn't show it, but you can look at the effect of how they affect the quarterbacks and, you know, throwing the ball down the field. Yeah, we all want to know his thoughts about Joe Tryanchenko. So let's get to it. Well, you, you see a guy that can have, I mean, skill set wise, can do a lot of different jobs. And I mean, between dropping, rushing, I mean, playing behind the ball, I mean, he has a unique skill set. I think the more that he grows and the more he's been comfortable within the system, you can see he's not thinking as much, at least for right now, in the phase that we're in right now, as far as the training part of it. And so now I think you'll see a, a lot more of his athleticism, you know, kind of taking off where he's not thinking as much and going to play. But Joe, is, I've, I've really been impressed with him. Now, you got to understand, I've only been with the guys probably about seven days, but just the habits and work habits that he's exhibiting right now, I, I foresee him feeling pretty comfortable. Terminology and all that's the same. We're doing some tweaks to some things schematically, but I think he really does a nice job of paying attention to the details of those things. And same way with Nelly, he's, he's done a great job thus far, you know, in, in the realm of that. So. Interesting to think that, and it's not the same as like quarterbacks where it's like, oh, this quarterback had three different coordinators since he's been in the league and blah, 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 all that stuff changes. This is the third outside linebackers coach that Joe Tryanchenko will have. Bob Sanders last year and now uh, George Edwards this year. I, I don't think it's going to stunt or curb his growth at all whatsoever. Um, but I think it's good that there's going to be a fresh set of eyes looking at JTS, seeing what and where he can get better, how he can improve. And again, the ways that he was able to help Micah Parsons. Now, part of it is Micah Parsons just a great athlete and a great football player. So naturally, uh, it's going to go, it's going to look good on your resume, but maybe he can do some things to tweak the game of Joe Tryon Shainka. The last thing I want to talk about with George Edwards, he's obviously been coaching for a very long time, has coached before with Todd Bowles. So he really understands the alignment, the setup, the overall scheme that Todd Bowles likes to throw at opponents, just keeping everyone guessing, blitzing from all these different areas. And it's really interesting to see with, 
either guys they drafted like Yaya Diaby in the third round, Kalisha Kansi in the first round. Maybe Ramirez gets an opportunity. In today's day and age, guys aren't just lining up in one spot. I know we spoke earlier about Logan Hall staying in one spot, Kansi staying in one spot, but they are still going to move some guys around, most notably maybe JTS, Anthony Nelson. And it's almost like a prerequisite now. That's what I asked George Edwards. Is it almost like a prerequisite to join this Bucks defense or a Todd Bowles defense where you have to be able to move around because we've seen so many different alignments. And thought he had an interesting answer about today, young players are just more accustomed to it because everyone's been moving around more. And that's exactly right. I mean, the whole thing is how you're going to affect the quarterback, whether you're doing it by disguising coverages, bringing different guys off the edges, asking ends to drop. I mean, those are the things that make it hard for offenses to have success. So if you can line, I mean, to be able to line up in this league and just line up in a static look and be able to execute is tough. But when you've got guys moving around and different positions doing different things, I mean, it, it causes some problems for the offense as far as recognition. It's not like the way they drew it up when they came into the game. So now all of a sudden they're getting unscouted looks and the next thing you know, you know, that helps us from our aspect of trying to get them. Is that sort of Bowles' forte as a defensive coordinator? I would say so. I, I, I think when you look at us schematically, he's done an excellent job throughout his career of using different guys' skill set and moving around and disguising things to have you formulate a plan that when a ball turns over, you're thinking one thing, and now all of a sudden, post-snap, you're getting something else. So anytime you can do that, I think it you know gives you more time to get pressure on the quarterback at the end of the day. Does it almost feel like a prerequisite for either an edge rusher or a D lineman that you have to be versatile and be able to line up anywhere? Because, I mean, we've seen defensive fronts where Vita Vea lines up in linebacker and Levante David comes off the edge. Yeah, I, I think what you're seeing right now, their kids are getting exposed to a lot more different you know job titles coming out of college now because the college game is different. And I think that's not uncommon for them. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they've done them before. So when you ask a guy that you know, traditionally – comes in and really hasn't done those things, but you look at him athletically, you see his skill set, and you're asking him to do things like that, it causes problems, you know, for guys to be able to recognize that and identify it. Now, before we wrap up, get to a couple comments. Shane says, Peeps got to ease up on JTS, Zion, and Hall. The NFL is different, and not every great player was great right away. Sap, Rondé. I like a lot of what I see. Yeah, not every player is just automatically going to hit the ground running and, and absolutely dominate. <clears throat> Excuse me. Anakin's Hyper says, I'm rooting for JTS too. He's just got to finish. So many times last year he had a QB but just lost him. I think he can get it together. Very, very close. JTS, G Vegas says, JTS has to get double-digit sacks if he wants that fifth-year option picked up. I don't think he necessarily has to get uh, double-digit sacks. He just really has to improve. Um, yeah, but saying that if he doesn't get 10 sacks, he's not going to get that 50 year option. I don't think that's fair to him. Um, we got to see how it plays out. Maybe if, he, if he's getting so many sacks, they start double teaming him and that's how they go about it. Uh, but that's pretty much going to do it for today's show. Appreciate everybody that, uh, tuned in on today's show. If you're not already doing so, please follow our social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Pewter Report, and our YouTube channels at Pewter Report TV. Got tons and tons of clips out on our social media and our YouTube channel. 
Uh, we're going to have another episode tomorrow as well where we rank the Bucks draft class along with the rest of the NFC South. I believe Adam Slavon will be joining me for that one. Um, before we sign off, get to one or two more questions. Why not? Uh, Tony says, can we get an answer of why we re-signed Dean yet he didn't play one defensive snap in the most important game of the year? Coaching is a problem. Uh, I believe injuries had to do with that. I don't think it was necessarily was by design. Um, clearly, they want him back. Um, Johnny Walker Blank said, y'all need a TikTok. We do have a TikTok. We're trying to grow it more and more. But uh, Pewter Report does have a TikTok. Make sure you follow it at Pewter Report. Uh, Tom Bucks fan says, our head coach thought SMB was playing better, but it was an illusion. It's in the past now. <laughs> that's, uh, you know, they're moving on. They obviously want Jamel Dean back. So that's why. Uh, Grace Point says, bye, Matt. See you later. I like Ripish says, good stuff. Have a good night, PR and Matt. Thank you guys all very much. I'll end on that note. Uh, appreciate everybody that joined us today. Remember, tomorrow's show is at 4 p.m. So for all the pewter people, I'm Matt Matera saying thank you, everybody, for watching. We'll see you tomorrow for another edition of the Peter Report Podcast. Out.